Welcome back to the Mama Inspired Podcast. Whether you're struggling to become the mama you've always known you're meant to be, or you're holding that miracle in your arms, hear me now when I tell you that you are not alone. And that on the other side of this hard, a brand new life awaits you. Hey lady, I'm Sarah Wayne Scott. I'm here to encourage a more enlightened, compassionate, and empowered mom collective. I believe that through guru guidance, stories from mamas just like you, and a whole lot of momspiration for me, we can begin to make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. So swap out the breast pad, wipe off the barf, <laughs> it's mama time. Hello, my beautiful ladies. So I actually had a completely different episode planned to drop this week, but I was thrown a little bit of a curveball. And I want to give you a little bit of update on kind of what's going on in my life and pregnancy. For some of you, you'll know just by previous episodes and, and maybe even knowing me personally that Miles, my first, was breach. And living on an island, we had really very few other options of having or exploring a vaginal breech birth, which I would have done. Um, and so I ended up in a C-section and it was something that brought about a lot of emotions and a lot of struggle and a lot of pain. And while for many, the C-section went very smoothly and and well, in hindsight, and I, it's funny because I think that even in the months following of Miles's birth, I didn't really understand or feel the trauma that I that I feel now a lot of that has come about in this this pregnancy and I've always known when I didn't want a c-section I, I had planned a home water birth and so my dream birth had been crushed but there was lots of reasons and so I have been doing all the things to try and ensure that this baby isn't breech and you know I've got some potential complications uh, well I guess one I have a bit of an abnormal uterus. And so while it may not be a true bicornate fashion with the deep septum, there is maybe um, what they call arcuate. So there's a little bit of maybe a, a dip. And the if you look at the uterus, it should be kind of like an upside down pair. Well, where mine is, where, where yours should be rounded and beautiful on top, mine kind of has these little bit of a corners. And so what we think, right, is that when we found out Miles was breached at 36 weeks, that, you know, by the time we tried to turn him, which we did try an ECV, which is where the doctors kind of manually put their hands in your belly and tried to turn the baby externally. While we did try that, it didn't work. And so we think, you know, he might have just been too big at that point and we couldn't flip him. So I've been doing all the things. I came into this pregnancy so much more informed and aware of how posture and activity and, you know, um, even just state of relaxing and different exercises that I could be doing to make room for baby and ensure that hopefully baby has enough room in the uterus to make that head down position. I went into my prenatal appointment on Wednesday with the midwife and found out that the baby is breech and four weeks prior the baby was head down. Now a lot of you might thinking be thinking in your head baby has plenty of room to turn, right? I'm I'm 29 weeks today. But we have lots of weeks. We have, you know, basically 3 months for baby to to move to the head down position. But 
I feel like, you know, the reality for me right now <laughs> and I'm having a hard time kind of really seeing the hope or seeing a lot of, I suppose, um, I feel like the chances of the baby flipping day to day, right? Every single day the baby's getting bigger and I understand that I have this this abnormality in my uterus and so I just feel like my fate is already set out for me. <laughs> and there's moments where I don't feel like that and there's moments where it becomes all consuming and it's interesting how you kind of ebb and flow through these emotions. So the day after the appointment, I kind of felt a little bit more comfortable and at peace and just calm about it. And then as the days have played on, you know, I have done a little bit more research again. I've been reaching out to people. I've been scheduling, of course, all my appointments and, you know, I'm going to do Cairo tomorrow, which I've been doing, but I'm coupling that with um, my abdominal massage and moxibustion the next day. So trying to do all these things. And I feel like, you know, I wake up in the morning, I put my hand in my belly and I can feel the baby's head and nothing is changing. And it just feels like, oh, this baby is just going to stay here no matter what I'm doing. I'm doing all the right things, but you know, it just feels almost inevitable. And I can't explain to you truly exactly all the different elements in my head and my heart that are making me feel the way I feel, but I'm I just feel already heartbroken for what I could potentially lose in this. And you know, I want so badly for this birth to look differently. I want so badly for myself. I want to experience a physiology of birth. I want this for my baby. But, you know, I feel like so much of the pain and emotions also, I think, you know, just in conversations with people, including my husband, you know, I feel like almost this sense of guilt or unjustification for feeling the way I feel because at the end of the day, if it ends up being a C-section, if that's what has to happen, you know, why is that so devastating to me? And why is that so heartbreaking when, you know, I know the situation could be worse and I have had the opportunity to talk to all these beautiful women, you know, on the podcast, close friends, friends, acquaintances um, who have lost a lot. They've lost their babies. They've lost their, the lives that they had dreamed about. And, you know, talking with women who haven't even had the blessing of being able to, to, to experience pregnancy and birth. And it just makes me, you know, there's so much of, there's so much emotion that goes into that. And I wanted to, I wanted to express a message that I'm feeling very deeply today and talk with you a little bit about devaluing our pain and belittling our pain. When I recognized that these were the thoughts that I was having, I, I was actually, I had, had a conversation with my sister and, you know, in the conversation I was explaining to her that, you know, I just, I, you know, I'm crying to her on the phone and I felt so silly that this was the third time now that I was bawling and crying in, in a day about this and, and what that meant and why and, you know, when I recognized that these are the thoughts I was having and and all because I just spoke them out loud, right? I, I took the opportunity and what I knew what I needed to, to make a call to my sister and, and speak all this out loud. But when I recognized this is what was going on, these are the thoughts I was having, I remembered 
Jay Shetty's words, and I've heard this in a few different ways from him. I think the most recent was through his novel, Think Like a Monk, but he says, you know, that your pain is your pain and we all react differently to our pain. For some of us, it strengthens us and for others, it weakens us before, you know, finally getting to that part where it strengthens us. And in those times when we feel the weakest is when we need the most support and love and compassion, not only from others, but also from ourselves. And so, you know, I I think we devalue our pain for lots of reasons. I think that, it, you know, it might be others that you have conversation with, right? They're really, truly, they're speaking and saying things in an effort to try to make you feel better, to try to encourage you to you know, not give it the energy, to not let it stress you out, to not see it as such a heartache or an obstacle. It might also be that we just live in a such a comparison judgmental culture that we believe we aren't worthy of what we're feeling or the depth of the hurt that we feel, you know, when others have it just so much worse in our eyes. Maybe it's just that we've never allowed ourselves to accept pain, at least maybe immediately, right? Like it's always a struggle to kind of get to that place. We believe it's a waste of time or that it's only doing us harm or, you know, if we just push it aside and and move forward, we, we have the ability to do that and do it quicker. The truth is none of us want to feel weak <laughs> and feeling weak isn't a, isn't a good feeling. It, it makes us vulnerable and uncomfortable and puts us in touch with deep emotions that we may have suppressed in the past or, you know, like I mentioned earlier about how I really don't think I saw my birth as traumatic until I had this pregnancy. It's like it brings up these things that maybe I didn't fully process because it was so fast. I found out was Miles' breach at 36 weeks and it was like go time of just trying to do everything I could to flip him and I didn't really have time to surrender and I finally did surrender at the end but it wasn't an emotional surrender and and, and I had to process all of that plus now having to process what that experience was really like. And so, you know, we we don't want to feel weak and we don't want to feel like we need others. But here's the thing, you guys. I want to tell you why devaluing our pain is not only unfair to us, but it affects how we devalue others' pain and and it's just plain ineffective. <laughs> so for one, it just, you know, it doesn't do you any favors. It doesn't help. It doesn't allow you to accept your own pain. When you try to refuse your pain, not only, you know, do you not have the ability to feel it in its entirety, but it just lingers. Pain like this or a struggle like this or an obstacle or a challenge that just gets shoved aside or ignored or deemed you know, unjustifiable, it doesn't just go away. It might go away temporarily, but it always comes back and always comes back in different forms and in times when you least expect it. And you know, we, I know we've talked about this in different ways through the podcast, but the best way to make it through a struggle and to understand what's going on is, is to, to work yourself through it, to just go through it and feel all of it completely. I want to remind you and myself, because again, I'm living this right now, that your world is your world. Like Jay Shetty says, your pain is your pain. Some Someone experiencing the same scenario, situation, tragedy is going to experience it completely differently. So sure, you may feel some of the same emotions, but you're going to experience it differently. 
And that's because we all have different pasts. We have different triggers. We you know, have prior experiences and, and different depths of knowledge and methods of looking forward, et cetera. So just, you know, maybe take my pain, my struggle right now, for example. Another mama might find that choosing another C-section, you know, that 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 reality, you know, just if she just chooses it, it just brings her less stress and anxiety and she can move forward and she's okay with that. And she can look on the bright side of this kind of birth and see it as, you know, a more positive experience for herself for lots of reasons. And believe me, I certainly wish that that was the case for myself. I, I feel that in some moments. I wish that that was, that was me, that I could, I could sit in that seat. You know, it feels like it would be a lot easier on my heart if I didn't want this other birth so badly and didn't want a cesarean birth so badly, you know, and didn't feel like it was such a hard, traumatic experience and kind of robbed me of what I felt I deserved and wanted so badly, not for me, but just also for the baby too. You know, if I could see my baby on the other end and view all these, you know, maybe negative things in my head as just minimal impacts on, on the birth. But the truth is that's not my world. My world is that I desperately want to experience a physiological birth. I want to experience what my body, what I believe I was created to do. I want to hold my baby first. I want to, you know, have full control of my body and my mind and my emotions and and be able to hold miles after, you know, the baby is born. I don't want to be confined and, and I don't know, crippled. <laughs> and that's just in short, right? There's so much more than that. But, you know, what comes with being unable to achieve that is heartache and feeling gypped of what I believe I was created to do and deserve to experience. You know, it comes with feeling sorry for myself and feeling silly for making such a, you know, routine, normal thing in our society that happens all the time, right? C-sections happen all the time into a big deal for being so torn about something that just isn't understood in its depth, scrutinizing everything I could have done or, you know, done better up to this point and what I feel like I'm taking away from my baby you know, it's the fear of the postpartum. It's fear of how this birth could mimic my last and kind of reliving all of it. And you guys, it's it's so natural for us to go here. I think that, I think about all the incredible women, again, that I've had the pleasure of being on the other end of their stories and women who have lost, again, so much and who have struggled to experience the huge blessing I'm experiencing. I love pregnancy. I love feeling my my baby move. I love my belly. I love learning. I love feeling so connected. And, you know, I think how I can just be so consumed and heartbroken by just this fact that I am going to have to pivot or I'm not going to get maybe the birth that I really wanted or how this might change things or you know, what this means for me in regards to how this will play out for options. You know, I I just think it's, I just wonder why I'm so affected by it when I have so much to be thankful for. But it's human, guys. It's so human to have these feelings. And sure, we don't want to sit with them, you know, but you can forgive yourself for having them. But we have to stop ourselves. So I have to stop myself in my tracks. And while my compassion for them is real, I cannot be compassionate for others in a genuine way if I am not, if or if I am comparing my pain, judging my pain. My empathy and pain for others in their own struggle cannot be truly understood because 
I can't live it. I don't know their prior experience. I don't know their past. I don't know their world. But we can relate, of course, to the all-consuming pain and struggle because we felt that, you know, so we can do that without truly experiencing theirs. And I like to remind myself that, you know, when I remember in times where I'm comparing or judging others' pain, right? Like I'm scrolling social media or I'm having a conversation and someone's telling me the story and I'm thinking, wow, like I'm surprised this would hurt her so bad or this, you know, I don't, this is not how I would react or whatever. You know, I remind myself that I don't, I don't know their world and their pain and what's behind it. And it serves me, it serves us in both ways to remind ourselves of that because to remember that we don't understand their world, their pain offers us up a deeper understanding and appreciation of that unknown. We can step back and say, man, I don't understand that, but that's because I don't understand their world. I don't know their past. I don't know their, their trauma and their tragedy and their life before this. And even if it's a best friend, you guys, we all have secrets. We all have these things we've experienced that we've never talked about. We all have experiences that we have no idea affect us in certain ways because we've maybe never uncovered it. So not only can I have this deeper understanding and appreciation for them and their pain, but I can feel compassion, empathy for my own. And I can feel like I deserve that pain and that someone else isn't going to understand or recognize my experience either. And you know, going through this and crying it out and letting out my emotions, you know, it's it's meant lots of tears. <laughs> it's definitely meant some stress and anxiety over the past couple of days. And I, obviously I don't want to sit in that, but my goal right now is to fully explore everything that I'm feeling. I may relive it in different intensities over the next three months because this is my world right now. And I don't really know what's going to happen because I can't, I can't foresee and, and I can't forecast exactly what my birth is going to look like, but I, I know that I'm not going to avoid it. I, I think to avoid it is to not respect it and to feel I'm only doing myself harm. It's ignoring my truth. And the truth is that I deserve to feel. And I am justified to feel, and so are you. I know you don't need my permission, and I'm not here to give that to you. What I do want to do is invite you to do that for yourself. Give yourself the permission. Feel justified. Know that your truth is that you deserve to feel your truth. You and your world, your experiences, are worthy of your pain. You are worthy of your pain. And I feel like that kind of sounds backwards, but say it out loud to yourself and think about it. There are no requirements or justifications needed to feel what is real to you and what you know is real because you know it's real because it hurts, because it clouds your mind and your heart. You know, it comes in physical forms such as tears and fatigue and, you know, it just doesn't go away forever. So feel it and let it move, let it escape as you listen and interpret it. Allow it to encourage ideas, rest, and hopefully strength. Call those people who are going to listen to you and hear you and, you know, know enough <laughs> to not devalue your pain, whether that's consciously or unconsciously. You want, to, you want to talk to somebody that will make you feel good and say things that will encourage you to, to go through it and to feel that you're justified in your emotions. And, you know, if that doesn't feel good to talk, I mean, that's what I do. I'm just such a talker. That's why I have a podcast. If that doesn't feel good, you know, write. Or you could just simply, I think, be quiet with your thoughts. But give yourself this opportunity in this time. 
I promise that if you do, it won't last forever. I've kind of surrendered into this today and the last couple of days, I guess. And I feel like this morning, you know, I was able to kind of take the next step. I reached out to a couple of Facebook groups to say, okay, I need some additional encouragement from some people who have some experience here. I need some positive stories. I need some, I don't know, maybe outside the box ideas of things I'm not thinking about. So I'm not trying to obsess over it. I'm just looking for extra support from those that I feel could be qualified or have something to lend. And in doing that, I stumbled across a potential opportunity to explore some midwives who can do vaginal breech births. And so that's where I'm going next. I am trying to see that there might be additional opportunity and that I can be in control of what feels right for me. So give yourself the time. I promise it won't last forever. I promise things will come. You were designed to survive. Being able to, you know, invite your pain also gives you you the ability to bid it farewell or until next time. Your survivor instincts will help you uncover what's next, what feels right, and it'll give you the strength to take that next step. But you can't know what's ahead if you don't truly understand what just happened or if you haven't felt what just happened. From struggle, pain, mess, I think comes life, opportunity, (laughs) plan Bs, alternate routes, purpose, and yes, inspiration. (sighs) All right, guys, I hope that me detouring this week's and pivoting on this week's episode, I hope it served you. I hope that if it's, gosh, maybe if it doesn't feel appropriate in this moment or you don't feel it's needed in this moment, I hope that you can remember it and come back to it in those moments of weakness where you need support. I always want to be here for you. And, you know, today didn't feel super organized, but it was on my heart. And I just felt, sometimes I just feel like the universe speaks to me or God speaks to me. And I just, I don't know who needs to hear it, but I I trust that it's going to reach someone today, tomorrow, next week, next year. And then I'll be thankful to know that I kind of followed my gut and my heart and spoke it to you. So I love you all so much. And of course, we'll keep you updated. And for those that are in the Mama Inspired, the collective community, I just, I would have, I would love to be more involved and more present than I have been in the last couple of weeks, even a couple more months. I think that I've had so, so much more of my energy taken and, um, you know, space really being filled up by just ensuring that, you know, I get these podcasts out every single week, but the rest of the time I have to be a mom and I have to, you know, be mothering this baby that's in my womb. And, you know, it comes with other parts of the territory and that's where we are right now. (laughs) Anyway, okay. I'm going to stop talking. I love you all so much. And, and I will talk to you next week. All my love. Hey mamas, before you peace out, if what you just heard inspired you, made you feel like you've got a new BFF or simply reminded you of another mama, please share this episode or the podcast and be sure to tag me if you share it on social. My hope is to touch as many of you as possible and drive this mama-led movement. If you're with me, and I know that you are, please take a minute and leave a review. Hearing from you makes my heart so happy, and your review could encourage another mama in need to hop on this journey with us. So let's make a pact. I'll bring the fire, and in return, you help me strengthen our mama collective so we may together make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. 
Let's get it, mama.